There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I know people talk about people fighting something, as in fighting the disease. She just couldn't. She could never get there. She was practically distraught, you know, for two years. Welcome to Grief Encounters with me, Sasha Hamrog. And I'm Venetia Quick. We're a weekly podcast that looks at an issue that affects us all and yet remains so difficult to talk about. We'll be chatting to guests from all walks of life on the subject of death and all that comes with it. Our main aim is to motivate, comfort and create a modern space for people to share their own experiences. Could you think of someone that could benefit in listening? Tell them about Grief Encounters out every single Tuesday. Today on the podcast, we had the pleasure in meeting the wonderful Paul Harrington as we tackle our most universally relatable topic so far, cancer. Paul's family has been ravaged by the disease in so many ways over the last 16 years, and today he speaks to us about his emotional journey with grief through it all. Venetia, Paul's your friend. And yeah. I thought it was so wonderful to see you guys. You could see why you guys are friends sitting in that room. like <laughs> Apart from the clothes. <laughs> you, could, you could totally see why you guys are friends and that connection that you guys have. But also, I just could not believe what a warm, interesting person Paul is and to, mm. to go through what he's gone through and to be able to talk about it. And like, still laugh. And still the laugh. The other side. As he probably knows, I think for me, on a personal level, this was probably the most difficult chat we've done so far because his brother Robert, his, his sister Siobhan and his other brother Derek, I was there particularly I know where I was when I heard Robert had died. I know where I was when he told me that Siobhan had been diagnosed and ultimately my son was actually being christened the day of her funeral. So um, I I found it a particularly hard chat to have in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. because I think that now, although you're there and you're there for the person as a friend and you totally love it, now I have been through it. I am going through it. I totally get it in a different way to then. And I almost felt guilty because I don't think I said the right things or did the right things, whatever. Like, obviously, I probably did or we probably wouldn't be friends. But I didn't know then what I know now. And of course, how could I? But I just feel now that I could have been so much more help or perhaps a better friend. Yeah. Had I known that but of course I think that's the test of friendship isn't it? It totally is and hindsight like when you finally learn something and you realise especially when it comes to cancer so all of us in the room have been through a loved one being mm. diagnosed with cancer and that terrible terrible moment and we all cried during the interview yeah. at different points um, but that moment that someone you know you love you find out that they're sick 
Um, and all of us knew how hard that moment is in the journey. Mm. And looking back, I agree with you. I definitely know that I had friends who had lost people to cancer. And I look back and I think, God, I was not there enough. Or yeah. I, but you were there. But it's just you would be so much better now, yeah. I think, is yeah. I think it's the thing. Yeah. And I, I, that's sort of how I feel on a personal level towards people who've lost people yeah. or whatever now it's like the whole Christmas thing as well I never got before how people couldn't stand Christmas yeah and this year I got it yeah and this year I actually went how could I not have got that before yeah. and you realise why so many people actually have this aversion yeah. they just wanted to, to be Christmas over and this forced yeah. sort of joviality and mm. I think that's that's what it is I mean I think it's as we've talked before is when somebody dies that's particularly close to you you become a different person mm. whether you like it or not it, you change yeah. and you've changed forever and you totally see things in a different light you totally do I think the thing about Paul too that was so refreshing is his honesty we talked about the word positive and how that can be so damaging mm. when you're going through something like this that it's okay to talk about the hard parts and if we don't talk about the hard parts like he said you know people talk about um, a peaceful death Mm. it's not always like that and that's mm. such a difficult thing to talk about but it's a weight lifted when we share those words with each other and we say actually you know I remember when my dad was dying he fought it tooth and nail I mean every step he did not want to die and people found that really difficult because they thought eventually he's going to come to terms with it and we talked to a, a, a psychologist who said some people go kicking and screaming and that is how it is. They don't mm. come to this But isn't that point. what they tell you particularly with cancer is it's all about the attitude yeah. and oh, I can beat this, I can do this and and I think this is why this episode which obviously particularly focuses on cancer is that it puts so much pressure on not only the family mm. that they're going to help this person beat yeah. it but on the person who's sick already yeah. and they're already sick they're going to go through chemo maybe radiation operations perhaps whatever their yeah. treatment is but on top of that they've got this sort of like be happy be yeah. positive be positive Fight. if you're not positive Fight. absolutely then. and it's like it's all about the attitude people will yeah. beat cancer if they have an attitude yeah. that's not necessarily true no. and I think that's Paul talks so much yeah. about that and I think that really comes across not only for the patient but also for the family member yeah and he talked about regret um, which is so so hard to talk about (laughs) Uh, and none of us like to think about it and we all have it probably in Mm. some form or another but he talked about uh, when when you think about what the person was going through you know what you were going through and you found out that the person you loved was sick but what about what they were going through and dealing with their mortality and the regret of knowing how sad and difficult mm. that must have been for them. And I'm so glad he had the courage to say it out loud to us in the podcast because I know that we all deal with that. Yeah, no, we do. Cancer is something that affects every single Irish person and uh, recent research has shown that by 2022, at least one in two of us is going to be affected by cancer in some way. It's by far the country's biggest killer and every three minutes in Ireland a cancer diagnosis is made. Today we're going to talk to a very familiar voice to many of our listeners having won the Eurovision Song Contest in 1994 with Rock and Roll Kids and he's also um, a personal friend of mine down through the years. Now he comes from a big family of eight and sadly cancer has played quite a big role in his life for the past 16 years. 
Paul Harrington, you're very welcome. Nice to be to here. Thank you. Thanks, thanks um, for inviting me. Now, as we, we've said, the cancer has dominated your family life. Hugely, yeah. In, particularly in the last 16 years. And you've lost four family members through various forms of the illness since 2002. Mm. As your friend, yeah. I was there through at least three of those members. And I have to say my situation now and when I look back in your situation then, there's a, a huge part of me that makes me realise how much more I understand now to what I understood then and we'll talk a bit more about that mm. as we go on. Can you take us back though to 16 years ago to 2002 when that word cancer first became part of your life as unfortunately it does? Yeah, I suppose it probably goes even back a little bit earlier because my mother was was the first and she got breast cancer um, mm. some mm. years prior to that, uh, a good few years actually. And she had a mastectomy, she had the treatment and I remember at the time it being hugely traumatic, you know, I mean, even just experiencing that alone. And it was the first time I even understood a little bit more about my my own mother, mm-hmm. about women in general, about, you know, the, the very fabric of, 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 of womanhood, you mm-hmm. know, being attacked and removed. I know nowadays it's all a much more modern approach. It's like it's Angelina Jolie has set that bar. Mm. It's kind of, oh, I've got the gene, so therefore let's mm. everything out. Well, everything it's open off. now and it's yeah. there and it's not. Yeah, but it, but it's it's still, you know, my, my mother wasn't, you know, she wasn't a young woman at the time and, you know, and it was a hugely traumatic thing. I mean, this programme is called Brief, uh, Grief Encounters. Of course, naturally I'm going to say Brief Encounters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, grief Encounters. And, and the thing is, you do encounter grief way sooner than you think you do and this is this is the thing that yeah. you, you come you come across grief you know way earlier than you you thought was your first time mm. and I can remember my mother you know you know grieving I, I, I didn't remember her ever grieving for her uh, parents or anything like they were long long mm. gone you know but she would have had uh, yeah. but of course yeah. she did you know and and it's it's like any form of grieving um, it just brings everything else back mm. and, and that's the most extraordinary because I mean you know you get upset you get hurt almost the first thing you want to do is reach out for your mother or mm. you know somebody somebody close to you that, that, that you know uh, can comfort you in some way I mean you know what's great about this program you're doing as well is the fact that I've been so many times on on radio programs and and different situations where presenters would say oh we'll talk about your your all the loss mm. and your family and this and that mm. and the other and then as soon as you barely touch on it they <laughs> move away move well it's else. a fear yeah. that people don't want to hear about it and mm. people don't but it's, but it's something that it's affects too bad. people you know i mean people everybody have to, people mm. have to you have to you have to uh, i mean as a human being you can't escape sadness you can't escape yeah. you know for for your soul you know over the years i've heard people talking about surrounding yourself with positive people for, for me my experience with grief is i would want to push positive people as far as <laughs> yeah. possible away <laughs> but Go isn't away. that so important to talk about i think that word positive ironically yeah. can be so negative when people are grieving because I think the message is cheer up stop talking yeah, about it and get over it and get over it and let's not have those when you do have those conversations with people and they are open to talk about it with you you both learn so much from each other Correct. and even though there's that uncomfortable moment 
of having seeing someone else's pain, mm. which is uncomfortable. It's it's like standing on 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 a, on a kind of a, a diving board, you know, about thirty feet in the air, and you're kind of saying, "Will I or won't I?" And, and mm. Because you have, if you're going in, you have to go in, mm. you know. And it's uh, well, isn't that what they say? You have to go through it. I mean, like so many people have quoted. There's mm. a book called Bear Hunt. It's a kid's book okay. and it's like you can't go under it, you can't go round it, you can't go over it, you have to go through it. And if one more person has said that, I will actually, yes. I, I, um, I, only under, I understand that more now because having, having, you know, as you say, back to yeah. 2002, having lost my, mm. my mother, two brothers and a sister, I realise that just people are completely inadequate and, mm. uh, and they, they, they can't, they have no way uh, of comforting you. Yeah. So unless in, they've been through it. And absolutely. This is something that... Or else, or, or unless they're a professional. And for me, yeah. you've got to go, you've got to go and talk and to And that's something I think that's, that's sort of really important and that's something which I sort of alluded to there a minute ago. I mean, Robert was first. Um, my memories of Robert are sitting in Lily's in a chair yeah. singing on the streets where you live yeah. from My Fair Lady. That was one of my favourite songs and I used to love when he used to sing it. And when I think of Robert now and I remember exactly where I was when, I'd he- when I heard Robert passed away. Yeah. And I remember feeling so incredibly sad and obviously going to his funeral and hanging out with you afterwards and drinking. But then it's only when it happens to you, you realise the impact that the impact and that really as a friend you weren't there to the same because how could you mm. you were there you were saying all the right things whatever yeah. but you really weren't there because you hadn't experienced it yourself how could you possibly although you you know what you're there way more than you think you are as well i mean i mean the thing is people yeah. understand that as well that often for example nowadays if i meet people who like like mm. yourself or anybody you meet who has lost somebody so close and that is so enormous and so traumatic and so forever mm. in this life. I mean, the the, the danger is, it, it, you know, I, people have come to me and, you know, when they would be telling me about their situations, they say, Asher, look, you're the expert on, on grief. Mm. And I'd be saying, no, 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 mm. I'm not. This is your mm. grief and your situation mm. and talk about it, you know, and the best thing you can ever do is to, is to is to listen rather than just starting talking about all of your experiences. Mm. And isn't that, I mean, I've read something so interesting about how we are tempted to bring up our experience to help the person feel more comfortable. And it comes from the best place. It comes from such a good place. You want them to know they're not alone. Mm. But actually, they're the ones experiencing it in that moment and you need to listen. And that can be a very hard thing to learn because... It is with the best intentions that you want to say, I've been there too, I know what it's Mm. like. But you also have to know when to kind of let them speak and just let them have, it doesn't matter if yours is worse or different or, uh, you know. I read an article about it and I think it was so powerful. And I think a lot of people shared it because they felt, oh yeah, just take the time Mm. to hear what they're experiencing. But do you not think as well that by showing the other person that you're sort of coming out the other side, that you're going through it, that you're, I'm not going to use the phrase moving Mm. on because I don't know if you move on, but you move forward, perhaps. And by moving forward, you're letting the other person know that you will move forward. Um, It doesn't seem like it at some point, but you do. I remember a great guy called Father David Weakliam, who was my bereavement counsellor for a lot of years. And I I remember, first of all, when I told him when I I, I didn't go for bereavement counselling until after I think it was my mother, then my brother and my sister had all died within about three years or thereabouts mm-hmm. or maybe maybe a little bit more. Uh, but when I told him that, this was my professional bereavement, bereavement counsellor. He put his head in his hands. That's what he did. Because he said, 
I don't even know where to start. Mm. Well, we started mm. and we we met every week or, you know, and it slowly unfolded. And when he said to me one day, he said, you know, he said, you might not believe this now that someday that you will just wake up and walk out into the street and you'll just start to hear the birds again and mm, the clouds mm, will part slightly, a little bit of sunshine will start to come mm. back into your life. You, you know, you'd look at somebody like that and say, you're, you're out of your mind. How, yeah. how can that ever happen? But mm. you can't, it's something you can't, there's no schedule. Mm. How did you feel then when Siobhan, your sister, was mm. diagnosed? Like, did that make you feel very angry that again, like, why me? Why? You know, yeah. surely there's other people mm. that it's their turn now. Well, yeah, I remember. I remember, you know, when Robert said to uh, at the time, my brother Robert, who died in 2003, about mm. seven or eight months after my mother, uh, he died at the age of 55, mm. 55 years of age. And um, him, I remember him saying to us, myself, my sister and another brother, Joe, and there's an elder brother, Richard. He said, at, at least statistically he said our family is safe now mm. he said it's only it's it was my mother and him so that was the two out of whatever whatever this yeah. statistic the mm. nonsense st- yeah. statistic was at the time and uh so then you know uh, i don't know some months after robert died my sister was diagnosed mm. yeah no I, I tell you i had no idea how to how to cope or how to deal with that i, I remember she was in in, in the lourdes hospital in Drada and she'd been diagnosed with small cell cancer lung cancer i think i'm not sure if they're the same thing um, I just remember all the conversations. I mean, you can go into every, you know, whether it was talking to the uh, the oncologist who who said, "Look, it's it's said that you know that there is a possibility to survive this," but in her opinion, she said people who survive this so-called lung cancer, small cell cancer, mm. is a misdiagnosis. Mm. That it is this is terminal, yeah. and that's mm. that. Um, but I remember going outside smoking. <laughs> I'd taken up mm. smoking again for like a fool, mm. and I was, and there I was. But I did it too. You know, I is, did the I exact same it's, thing. It's, 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 it is, and a, yet a you're, thing. And, and yet you're. Uh, this and is you what's killing her. You yeah. can't believe that you're doing yeah. it. It's, no. I mean, and that's. I felt so ashamed about it too. Yeah. Like I remember feeling such shame about it, and yet you the do guilt. what you do in those moments. But I think as well, yeah. you go to if you go to a funeral, and I don't know if this is if this is unique to Ireland, but I find any time you go to a funeral outside, everybody is smoking. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like this, this way sort of, of dealing yeah. and then they go to the pub. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind <laughs> of like a reactionary thing. Yeah. No, wait, I mean, I, I'm not suggesting that people take up smoking no, yeah. after funerals. No, God, no, of course not. But it's interesting that people kind of do kind of do the absolute well, one thing know, that maybe they feel they should I didn't should. know what to do, you know, because yeah. and, and, because I couldn't I couldn't help her. I couldn't fix anything. I couldn't, you know, and the thing is, it, the, the, there appeared to be time. And so, therefore, when somebody's diagnosed with a, with a, a terminal illness, you still think there's time. But, but mm. yeah, you know, I Look, I mean, forget about the cliches of, of that we're all on a time yeah. clock or whatever it is. But, you know, t- it's nice that, you know, to know that, that it's it, the, the start button hasn't been pressed. Yeah. You know, it, psychologically, yeah. it's nice to think. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, Paul, can I ask you, yeah. my parents both died of cancer and so I w- went through that experience of the diagnosis and then the, the period of time in between and it's psychologically, it's, it's extremely difficult yeah. on the families but it's also extremely difficult on the person who's coming to terms with their mortality. And did you feel um, that that was also a really difficult thing to to look at the person you love and see that they're going through this? I think a lot of times we talk about the people who are left behind, but mm. when the person is, is going through that themselves, it's so hard to watch and witness. It's horrendous. It's horrendous. I mean, I find it harder now to reflect because it, it, when you're in, in that moment, you're, 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 you're not really dealing with it. You're trying to cope as best best you can and I know with Siobhan you know God bless her she she uh, you know you know what I know people talk about people fighting something as in fighting the disease she just couldn't she couldn't ever get there she was practically distraught you know for two years and when she finally died I just thought and, and there's another guilt thing. You feel you're, you, you, you breathe a sigh of relief. You're but saying, thank God that's that ended. But there is that. It's that sort of, you know, I think when, when the word cancer is mentioned, you mm. automatically, and it's all like, don't Google it, stay positive. Um, you know, yeah. keep, fight. keep yeah, yeah, fight, stay positive, yeah. positive thinking, do not Google. And of course you do all mm. those things. And, yeah. you know, you almost live on your world changes when the word cancer is mentioned. I don't uh, care what anyone absolutely, says. Absolutely. Your world changes, your life changes. You are now a different person because cancer is in your life, yeah. whether it's your life, your partner's life, your child's life, your parent's life, yeah. your friend's life. And I think it's almost like you're waiting for something. You're mm. always waiting. You're always, there's always something. And then, you know, you live your life by the thermometer and you live your life by, oh, in fact, there might be a tummy bug in your family or there might be a flu and you're like, oh, is, is, mm. is whoever's mm. in your family got, got, who's got cancer going to get it? And it's almost this like, and it's extremely draining for it's everybody cancer is a terrorist basically and, and 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 that's what it does it terrorizes every member of the family it terrorizes the people who have it and uh, I, you know listening to the numbers you're quoting now like I, I, my blood is starting to curdle I'm saying we're all we're all in Bloody, terrible trouble yeah. I mean I'm only in the, you know getting to the point now at the time I never asked why Mm. And now I'm asking why why is everybody getting cancer mm. why is it so pre- oh, prevalent I have asked that Good, f- yeah, good for you. Because I mm. sort of look at, you know, incinerators and, mm. you know, stuff that's in the air and there's all this other stuff that happens and it can't just be, I mean, I do believe in genetics. Of course, we know there's factors which help, mm. yeah. you know, bring along smoking, past smoking, whatever. But 
there, there has to be more to it. There has to be more to it if you look at other countries and other cities where there's very few cases. Mm. It's hard not to believe that stress in and some stri- way I think stress is huge. has a yeah. big impact. Um, I think you can see that that um, and it's ironic because mm. once you find out you have cancer, your stress levels D- so drop. You know what I mean? Yeah, they do because suddenly the priorities it, it, change. Why is that? I wonder. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, you say priorities change. I remember a side thing. I remember there was an experiment carried out on uh, broadcasters and newscasters mm. and stuff where they would monitor their heart and they were, their heart would be racing and racing and racing. And as soon as the red light went on, it mm. all calmed down, relaxed. Is that because they're taking control of the situation or they're doing something about? their their imminent or being in the now maybe is part of it too I mean that's the other thing that does happen I suppose when you when your family has been affected by cancers you do live much more in the moment well you try you you try to I mean I I mean I mean I I, again I remember with Siobhan I remember everything she everything she bought was always things she bought pre-cancer and things she bought post-cancer you know, and the, you know, going out shopping, it all becomes meaningless. Mm. Yeah. The whole thing becomes completely meaningless. I, I, like I cannot. I mean, I've seen uh, certain kind of people on on TV on the late late and stuff like that talking about cancer. In in particular, no, in, a, a great friend of mine, Tony Fenton, again, which was a huge mm. trauma in my own life and 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 his family. Mm. Um, uh, uh, Tony sadly died, but I remember uh, him chatting on the late late, and I thought he was. Marvellous. And, and Tony, again, was always Mr. Positive. But this was a real measured thing. And I, I really admired him so much. And I admired him way more than the people who who keep going around saying F cancer and this yeah. and that and the other. Mm. And, and it's like it kind of, you know, this kind of almost bravado nonsense. That's realism. Yeah. I, really, I, I just just be, re- just be real mm. about the whole thing. You know, I mean, no, nobody's suggesting, you know, that you don't ever laugh again. But I mean, if you are going through stuff like that, it's unlikely that you'll, you'll laugh and giggle for quite some time. Mm. You know, and that's the mm. way, that's the it's nature true. of it. Siobhan, obviously, your only sister. Yep. Very important person. She left young kids. She did, yeah. Um, and you had, and it, it, very, I mean, it was, incredibly sad I mean I think for anybody to lose anyone in their family particularly from a kid's point your mum is is a massive thing Um, you had a a dream about Siobhan which resulted in a song yeah yeah, you know it was I I can't put a timeline on it it could have been a year two years after uh, Siobhan died and you know it's funny I always remember sitting with her um when she was dying and she was asking me about singing songs at her funeral and stuff like that and and stuff like that. Isn't that funny how you say that? Mm. Uh, no, just singing songs at her funeral. And uh, I remember, again, uh, I, had a, I had a terrible trauma at her funeral. She asked me to sing uh, the song Vincent by Don McLean about Vincent Van Gogh. And at the end of the song, this never happened to me before, I got in a loop on a line and I couldn't get out of it. And I, I was so upset about this, you know, and I said, God, and I was saying, I'll have to, I, I really, I will, ma- I'll make that up to you sometime, yeah. you know. And she kind of said to me, she said, like, because she and I were thick as thieves, you know, growing, I, I, I was the, the baby and then she was the next up. There's four years between us. Mm. I always remember her dragging me around the place, dragging me around the house, you know. I mean, she, she was, she didn't see her 50th birthday, 49 years of age. And she said to me, she said, you know, you know, don't forget me. And I'm kind of saying, God, you know, how in the name of God could I forget you, you know? And uh, some years later, um, I had this incredible dream. And because I would dream, to this day, not as frequently, but uh, to this day, you wake up thinking who's alive and who's dead in your family. 
And I, almost every day I would do a, do a count. You'd wake up and say, mm. who's here? Who's, who's And sometimes you'd be dreaming about somebody who's gone. Mm. And it'd be so real. But this was this was the most real thing I think I've ever experienced in terms of a dream or, or a visitation, I suppose. And, you know, I remember seeing her. And I just was seeing her. She didn't speak. She had long hair uh, when she was kind of a teenager into her, into her 20s. Mm. She didn't have when she died. But... This is how I saw her, and she had this kind of white ribbed kind of wool jumper, and everything was white, and she was just there. And I was kind of talking to her. She wasn't saying anything, and then I, I said, ah, and I kind of said, God, I was just reflecting on what she was like back in those days, and and I said, ah, I get it. I said, you're happy now. I can see it. Mm. I can, you know, I can see it in your smile. I can see the whole thing now. I said, you've moved a cross or you're in heaven or whatever the, whatever the, the term might be but the, the thing was she looked happy content at peace I sometimes wonder where you are four or five years ago I was sitting um, rehearsing for something completely different with my old Eurovision comrade brother in arms Charlie McGettigan who again uh, you know he sadly lost his son Shane and that I'll never forget I mean so you can imagine him I remember sitting with him on an aircraft who we were travelling, might have been two years after Shane had died, and I, I wanted to talk about it and talk about Shane to him in some way, shape or form. And I said, you don't mind me bringing this up, do you? And he said, uh, he said, mind, he said. He said, that's all I think about, he said. thoughts we used to share And I know you're happy now I see it in your face because it's so easy for people who are not in the direct line of fire to assume that yeah. people have moved on a little yeah. bit. Do you find that men find it? I mean, I, as a woman, I am trying to think about what I... I don't know a lot of guys who talk about their losses. Uh, do you think men find it more difficult to talk about grief in your experience? I, I would say a lot of them do. I mean, you know, I, I, I have a great friend um, uh, who... I won't name because I know him from childhood. He'll know who he is. He's not the sort of guy to talk about this at all. He's the man who will pull you out of a burning building. That's who he is. And he's a great guy. And he and I kind of drifted to yeah. a great degree because he couldn't cope. Because the reality is you want to talk about the same thing over mm. and over and over again. You know, it's like you just keep scratching at that same yeah. spot. But I digress. Back to the song with mm. Charlie, just because I, I played this tune, the song for Siobhan, uh, to him, and he, he was very impressed. And I told him the story, and, and I said, look, I just I just can't get it finished. Like There's a part of me, maybe I didn't want to finish it, you know? Mm. Because then when it's like anything you, you finish, you then have to hand it over yeah. and let it be yeah. judged or whatever it is. So he helped me finish it in about two days and he came back with this you know he did a demo and then I redid it and uh, not, I just redid it because I, I was going to sing it ultimately but we talked about it afterwards and it kind of has become the song I couldn't finish for Siobhan and it was the song that he couldn't really write or finish for his son Shane oh. so so between the two of us we kind of managed to get this so so I suppose song for Siobhan is kind of is very specifically for her but it is also you know for mm-hmm. It's, you know, I mean, I lost another brother since Derek, you know. Yeah, well, but we were going to say, like, be remiss not to mention Derek yeah. as oh, well. Oh, impossible, sure. 2016. Did that just give you a sense of 
Okay, well, who's next now? Ah, oh, whatever. Um, Will anything surprise you if you get a call anymore? I think it, you react differently. I remember, you know, in 99, my my father died. He was the first to go. And at the time, I was quite fit and I was, I was in a, you know, a good mental place and I was more able to cope. Mm. I mean, I love the fact that my father's last words were, I'm an angel now. Mm. You know, that's incredible. He died peacefully. I mean, really peacefully. Because so many people say so-and-so, so-and-so died peacefully peacefully you kind of go really I was with my brother Derek when he died in, in North America I personally don't remember it to be that what I call peaceful mm. but he was a guy who, who I, I, I absolutely idolised and adored because he left Ireland in 1971 he, he moved to Canada he was the pioneer in the family <laughs> oh what a character I mean you, you, met, you mm. met him I hope you did yeah, 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 yeah oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. as time moves on it's, it's hard to remember who, yeah, you know, yeah. who, who knew who but I, you know I had the, I had the real pleasure and, uh, of, of you know working with him in music mm. in, in North America over the years you know, from from the eighties onwards, but well, he kind of looked like a, a bit of a rock star anyway. And uh, but he was there was always that when he'd come home and he, he'd be going back in the plane. My parents, or my, my mother, more than anyone, and and all of us, we all used to be getting really upset because it was almost like a death. You know, when you were getting onto yeah. an aircraft back mm. in the seventies, you were going to talk. You know, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. you was may or may not yeah, see yeah. this person yeah. ever again. Yeah. As it happened, we did thankfully for many many years because he he loved here and he came uh, came back a lot and I travelled a lot. To him and I was lucky to spend a lot of time with him in the last five years of his life where he was he was very very happy he lived in, in St. John's in Newfoundland which is kind of Irish yeah. it's, a, it's a great place and I miss him terribly and, and to be honest with you I went completely downhill after he died I, I think it's really a form of self-harming just eating drinking not caring about anything and I can tell you this now I should have mentioned this earlier Three people saved me. One was Father David Weekliam through bereavement counselling. More importantly, my wife, Carol, who has been immense, still is. Um, and I fear sometimes that I, I'm, I, I don't want to be pouring too, leaning too heavily on her, you know. Mm. But she has, she's got such, a, a, such an outlook and has such strength and such love. She, you know, she, like she's taken quite a few blows you know, in our marriage, but we we turned it round. And I, 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 the third person, by the way, that saved me was me, because I just kept, just keep fighting it. You know, it's, you know how hard it is. It's, uh, it's tough. I think that's such a powerful thing to say that it is you, because mm-hmm. we've Venetia and I have talked about this so much about our friends and like. I, I think this is the, the term, but empathy fatigue, almost mm-hmm. like they run out of empathy yeah, of and course. you feel very alone. And that's understandable. It is. That is yeah. so and but rightly there's a phrase everybody uses as well. And that's, um, sorry. And that's, um, everyone keeps saying, mind yourself, mind yourself. Mm. And for the last almost a year, if I've heard it once, I've heard it 50 times, mind yourself. And I'm starting to realise what that is. Yeah. And it is minding important. yourself is, important. is getting up in the morning and is eating properly yeah. and without running a marathon every day. Yeah. It's about actually minding your head. Because yeah. you're well. actually, you're running the yeah. equivalent of a marathon every day, yeah, by the way, are, when yeah. you're carrying that in your head yeah. and in your heart. Yeah. That's the thing. And and it is true. I mean, it, it's probably the one of the more, in what we call the, the uh, platitudes that mm. people reach for, yeah. it's probably the best advice anyone can ever give you is take care of yourself, yeah. you know. But, you know, then again, there's sometimes you can't, sometimes you spin out of control. Yeah. And, and the day my brother Derek died in Canada, 
my wife was undergoing surgery oh. in Dublin and she had a terribly adverse uh, reaction to uh, to morphine and stuff and she was in a terrible condition and thanks to friends of mine Carl Madooney and, and, and Bernie Burke were there to, to help her and rescue her so I'm over the other side of the world kind of saying I really should be at home yeah. you know I have to mention her of course because she's incredibly strong and uh, but you know you know, I don't know. I don't. What, what, what do I say to, about her? She's wonderful. I love her. She's incredible. She is. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, it. That's I think, yeah. yeah. I. You know, Paul. Thank you. Thank you oh, so look, so you're much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you're welcome. you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.